Where were we? Is it... Is it recording? Yes. But I think it's going to be mostly broom noise. Broom? Yeah, between the fan uh, and the dishwasher. Uh, well... Um, what can we say? <laughs> we are drowning. No, that wasn't a dying cat. I don't have a cat here. We're drowning out the air conditioner that they allow me to run this, you know. They control my electricity. Is it the power company that controls the electricity? Mm -hmm. or? Yep. So the power company can just be like, oh, the grid's a little overloaded. Exactly. We're just going to chop your power off. So these times usually are heavier times, like when people get home. Good. We'll just make it not a heavy time and just cut it off. <laughs> so now what you're going to... You know, and what all do they cut off? If they they can't cut off just your, you know, air conditioner, you got to be able to cook your husband and your six kids dinner. Yeah. No, that would be really uh, inconvenient. What if he had like home medical equipment? Yeah. Right. Like. Well, that's why it's just like my oxygen in there, um, and then I've got some separate tanks. Yeah. Those tanks are when they cut your power so you can't use your oxygen concentrator. Please. Yeah. Carol's had this for a few years. They just power them out. They they have what they call running blackouts. That yeah. seems uh, dystopian. Yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it it just um, you know like me like I say for been almost two years now they've been sending me things either with my uh, bill or just on its own. Gee, wouldn't you like you're you're higher than anybody in a. 50 mile radius horse pucky no I'm not mm. you know maybe you were where my radiator was on <laughs> <laughs> but but then it shows you know you're higher than all your neighbors no I'm not mm. and um, and wouldn't you like to cut all this down and all this stuff and all you gotta do is sign here and we'll put a thing on your um, electric meter that shuts it down and um, wait a minute you know and now they said we are putting it, it is on your meter wait a minute so anyway you, know, you think about things that you've done things that you worked hard, it's like going to school.
that was important to me. It was not easy, mm. you know. But then, on the other hand, it was interesting because when I heard I had to take uh, chemistry, mm. uh, <laughs> but when the basics of chemistry was street and illegal drugs, okay, well, <laughs> I'll learn a few things. How to manufacture LSD. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then you get all this stuff you worked hard for that's on the wall here. Mm. And, and, uh, and now it doesn't mean dick to anybody. Yeah. Uh, there is a couple of things down at in Castle Rock at that office mm -hmm. that I wanted to get. I haven't been down there for a long time. Mm. But um, Does Jeff have them? Yeah. Jeff's got them. Maybe I'll just ask him bring them up here. There was this one thing, couple things in the file, and he wouldn't know which file or whatever. And, um, but I've got a couple of awards. And that's like when I was telling you I was dreaming or just in there thinking, maybe this is it and what's important. Is that important? that I have those awards. I got that one award from the, you went with me that night, from the fire department of Aurora when I was coming home and um, 10 o'clock at night or so. And no, I was, I was coming home from work because I was working for, um, Anyway, <laughs> spaces, but, um, and there's these people standing on the curb and they've all got the white sticks and they're all blind and the traffic going down Parker is going a million miles an hour because I was at, I was coming across on Iliff mm -hmm. and they're standing on the corner here of Iliff and Parker getting ready to cross to the east. And and my God, the trap, that type of night, it just, you know, oh, I pulled over into this gas station that was, uh, the gas station wasn't open and I think it was a closed gas station. I think it was part of a motorcycle sales place. Anyway, I went running over there. Wait a minute and um, went to the person that was up in front. Talk about the blind lead. He was the leader, mm -hmm. the blind leading the blind <laughs> lead. And I said, what, what's going on here? He says, are you sighted? I says, yes, I am. And um, what, what are you trying to do? Well, they were trying to cross over to the other side because on the other side parked there were two buses back to back. But the story was they had been in those buses and then several people in the bus got sick and uh, one of them passed out so they had called 
and the bus dropped them off on the side they needed to be dropped off to go on west on Isla down to the it, it was some apartments that during the summer they had these blind people in and uh, were teaching them things and like that and um, and they were trying to get back over there to see how their friends were and I said well I'll take you back over there but don't <laughs> you know and uh, and there were about 15 18 of them so when the light changed okay people because they weren't deaf let's go double time you know we got because Parker's wide there sure is and um, so we managed you know they hot footed it over there and they all hold on to each other when they're you know and they hot footed it over there and then um, uh, I had them sit down on the grass and a guy come out and tell them where they had taken because they had an ambulance there where they had taken that person and they asked him a whole bunch of questions. What did you guys eat earlier? Did you smell exhaust? You know, and all this stuff. And then it was summer and it was a hot night and they were thirsty and so I ran over to this bar and I got all these cups of water and took them out to them and, and finally um, the two buses went on they're going to take the bus in to be checked in case something was leaking. And, uh, well, the cops came and talked to me. Were you on the bus? No, I was not on the bus. And, uh, well, how'd you get it? Well, you know, coming home and there's people that are standing in the corner. And, uh, okay, well, if we need to talk to you, how do we get a hold of you? And so. Um, anyway, so we got them back, and the cop helped me. We got them back across Parker going that way, and then they just tap, tap, tap down the street, and they knew where they were going to get back to where they lived. And, um, and that was that. And then, months later, we would like you to join us. That's when you came with me. I'm sure it was you, not Austin. Just the two of us, and um, there's a dinner being given, and the awards given out. What awards? And so I got an, a good citizen award. Right. <laughs> well, it's down there, you mm. know. And um, why do I want it back here to burn with the rest of the shit? <laughs> you know. It's just like when I started in real estate, right off the top, my first uh, client was a football player. And uh, I sold his townhome and we helped him buy a place in um, El Segundo because he, he was a football player with the Raiders. And that's where they practiced in El Segundo. And um, and 
doing those two jo two things and a couple more made me a million dollar seller. So I get this plaque from huh. Just keep thinking of Claudette and and Madam Yee called me today. I she left a message and Chuck and you know that was quite an experience. But at any rate, this plaque for the million dollar seller, it's a nice wood one, you know, is down in the basement on the ledge of the window. That's the um, dishwasher. It's not the. Um, it's not the um, uh, electricity trying to start. But at any rate, I've met some good people, and I've met some real douches, man. Oh boy. But um, but I've had an interesting interesting adventure, work adventure, <coughs> and um, hmm. how many different jobs have you had? Two. <laughs> 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 Which were? Uh, most of them boiled down to driver. Uh-huh. Well, the pizza was a long... How many years? Dang near a decade. Like eight years. Yeah. Off and on. And then when I wasn't delivering pizzas, I was... I had a couple other food delivery jobs. But... I don't know. Safeway, Jump Street, Taste of Philly, Toys R Us, selling insurance, doing laundry, pizza, big time, um, scooping ice cream. Oh uh, yeah, Maine. Working retail. The mortuary transport thing, tissue bank thing. Chop shop. Yeah. Just a little stuff in between. I mean, they're all just basically like jobs somebody can do if they have two hands. I guess like in a driver's license. But <coughs> they're not really highly skilled <laughs> positions. Um. Do you have any aspirations like what would you like to do or be? Or Honestly, don't. Like I used to think I wanted to be like a famous rapper mm -hmm. or like an inventor of some sort or I don't know. There's a certain sort of whimsy in being a doctor. People say I'd make a good lawyer. But the fact of the matter is, I don't... 
not really invested in life as it is. And a lot of those things seem selfish. So, I really don't have any aspirations. How do they seem selfish? This is all for clout. And being a famous rapper or Oh, well. Like a doctor. I mean, like, <coughs> what? All of that is just the will to power. You know? It's like. And that's, I guess, where it falls short, is I no longer want to be powerful. But the inherent problem with that is the more power you give up and say, I don't want to be powerful, there's someone along the line who's going to say, I do want to be powerful. And then you kind of have to stop them if they're uh. fucking up, which is very hard if you're not powerful. And I guess that's my aspiration. I want to strip the powerful of their power so they stop causing these famines and these genocides. Well, you know that thing that got my attention because, you know, I went through, you know, between daddy owning a restaurant and working in restaurants and bars and <coughs> I worked in a market. I, I had um, the market that I worked at, they had like this little snack bar. It had soda, I think it had soda, or we had just, um, sort of a bin and you could pull a bottle or a can or something out of. Mm -hmm. But what I had, you know in 7-Eleven they have those roller things? Mm -hmm. Well here I was and I had a whole bunch of, the roller things were about this wide. And a whole bunch of weenies on it. And I could do, there were western rollers and you know, regular rollers and New York rollers and, and different stuff you could put on them. But they were pretty good size, like, um, what are those ones down in um, Costco? Um, I think, because I think I also had like a Polish sausage roller. Anyway, so I did that and had to clean that all up at the end of the day. And, um, but, um, you know, there was always bars and restaurants and, um, and then I tried other things. I really wasn't good at sales. I tried Tupperware and I tried selling Shackley or Amway or something. Mm. And I, I'm not a hustler. I just, mm. that didn't work for me. And I'll tell you one time, Willie and I were married, and, and um, Willie and I were married, and we were broke, broke, broke. And um, so I was looking in the paper for something you could do at night, part-time at night. Downtown Los Angeles, we were living out in, it was still LA, but south. But downtown Los Angeles, they were advertising 
for what they call taxi dancers. If you watched, um, what was that movie? Anyway, a bunch of taxi dancers, and you buy a ticket and you can dance for one song or like that. So I thought, well, I can dance. I mean, it's not prostitution. I imagine you could run it into that. But it was just taxi dancers. <coughs> because a lot of people, they had like big bands and stuff like that. And so I went down there, and actually Willie took me down there. Or I told him about it. And um, so you had to go down for this interview in the afternoon. So he took me down there. And I went in, and the guy says, you know, can you dance? I says, yeah. Well, you gotta have, you know, like a high heel shoe, and you gotta have a dress that shows a little or whatever. Anyway. And he says, okay, will you start? And. Um, I went out and Will said, did you get it? And I said, yeah. And, and I said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Bunch of, you know, I don't mind dancing with other people. I just want to choose them. Yeah. Not just have them come up and give me a ticket or five of them. Yeah. I, I just, and he says, honey, you don't have to do this. Yeah. So, but then, you know, when, when I got into property management, mom knew Kitty McTavish. And Kitty was looking for somebody, and I don't know, I think they were, they had a dream group or something. And, um, but meanwhile, I had some different things. I worked for a florist, so I was around, um, you know, the bodies. <laughs> I remember when I started there, she says, okay, we're going to strip the leaves and thorns off of this about this high. You know? And I thought, well, instead of stripping them off, I'm just going to chop them off. Big, big, big mistake. It took, it took, well, back in the day, $24 a dozen, which was a lot back in the day, $24 a dozen. I cut off all of this and made them like $5 a dozen. So anyway, but then I delivered a lot of stuff. I didn't make, you know, the designs or they had somebody in there but I went and um, I delivered had to deliver a casket cover and then um, but first I had to just deliver one flower and a boutonniere and sometimes if you go to the mortuaries you may know this already um, they don't want you walking around in there and they'll have a rack out in back and you put the flowers up on that 
and they and they have the people's name right up there. This person is in this Pierce Brothers or whatever, and um, so I go down to this one place and I have a boutonniere supposed to go on the corpse and and uh, some other plant thing. Put plant out. Well. But there was no rack, and it was an old place. It was like an Armenian funeral place. And so I go up to the back door, and it's locked. And here comes this elderly black gentleman coming across the parking lot. He was like the parking attendant there. And what, what do you want? And I says, um, I need to, you know, with this boot in here and, and uh, so he unlocked and took me in and there was a, what they call a viewing room. Takes me in there and he says, uh, is that him? We ain't no friends. Yeah. I don't know. And I says, who is that? And he says, there's a card in his pocket of his suit there. Will you hand it to him? No, ma'am. I don't touch them people. <laughs> so I reached over and sure enough, and it was, he was a very famous, I think it was a producer. I should look him up. Zachary Musmanian. Zachary Musmanian. So I put the, you know, thing on him and away I went. And then a couple of days later, well, they had moved him um, and uh, our um, florist had uh, what they call a casket blanket. It's a blanket of flowers that you put on the. And they were rough with those things. And you think they'd be real delicate with that. And that threw it in the back of my station wagon, take it over to this, you know. So I did, and they. You know, they pulled it out, put it on, and, and um, but anyway, um, I could go into hospitals, and Daniel Freeman was one, and I had been in there. But um, anyway, and then sometimes they'd say that the person had been released. So, you know, give it to a forwarding, or they'd have a note there. If any other flowers come in, put them where they belong, and they'd just say, take them down to room B15, and mm -hmm. I would, and, and uh, that makes somebody happy. But, um, so I did that, and then, um, but I worked for Kitty McTavish, and um, property management, which means I had 400 and some odd units and 60 some odd owners and I'd collect the rents or give them the three day to pay or get out notices and then I'd have to go check the places after they were out and you go in white pants because you walk in there and you're checking seeing what needs paint and then you look down and your pants are just peppered with fleas. We need, you know, <laughs> flea maintaining. And uh, 
So I worked for her for several years. And while I was working for her, I started somebody, uh, Carol's brother-in-law or something, Milo's. It was actually Milo's brother-in-law. He was married to Milo's sister. Anyway, gave me this book and it had all of these uh, tapes and I would play them as I drove around and they were all the questions that were going to be asked in the test. I never opened the book and the day before I was to take the test I opened the book and took one of the tests failed miserably but I thought I've you know paid for the test and I can take it as many times and I'm just going to take my sharp pencils number twos and go down there and my bottle of water and see what it's like to sit in the room and so I went down there, took the test, passed it. And I was a realtor. And, uh, and I'm not a hustler. You know, there were friends that were definitely hustlers. And Claudette just, and, and um, Roseanne, I mean, they're standing in line at a market, and they're hearing somebody say, I think it was one over on aviation. I wonder what that sold for. And they just step up and sold for this, but they had a carpet allowance, blah, 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 blah. See, I just, uh, and they knew what everything sold for. They were just good. Yeah. No. And then I was driving down the street, and I knew Real estate wasn't for me. I was hiding out at home watching TV. And uh, Dr. Viscott says to this lady, what's your calling? I don't know. What is it that you do and would do? And do in fact do, whether you get paid for it or not. Go. Eat pussy. <laughs> well, <laughs> different tastes, <laughs> if you get my meaning. But, um, I have always been a counselor through 12-step program, school, always been a counselor. Go, do that, get paid for it. So the way you get paid for it, you go back to school or you make yourself pay $35 and become a clergy, then you can charge for it. But but it was the right thing for me to do. And then last year my license rolled over. I didn't renew it. So, but anyway, it was the right thing. It, it was my calling. Yeah. And uh, so, but I think, I think part of what we're all called to is somehow to be of service hmm. and um, do what we do with love, not to, you know, the, the person that's, you know, the rich asshole or whatever, they'll get theirs. You know, you watch the 
I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> May not look like it. I don't know if Bill Gates is going to get a comeuppance, besides the divorce and everyone knowing he's an alleged pedophile. Well, there's that. But he's still got a lot of farmland. Like, the most farmland of anybody. Well, you know, and then there's some people that are ministers and have these huge pieces of property and, you know, there's that. But you're not walking in their shoes, you don't know. It's just like this Wolf of Wall Street, you know, are you really happy? You don't know, you know, between the drugs and the this and the that and the relationships breaking up and losing the kids and so. Well, I think that's kind of like the point, right? Is it's like, look, if this isn't even making you happy, mm -hmm. then why do we have the system? The whole system is built so that the rich people can be happy and then, like, make our lives somewhat tolerable, right? Like, the whole reason we gave them that responsibility in the first place is because it seemed like they were making good decisions for everybody, mm. right? But then they stopped, and they're not making decisions that are good for anybody around them or themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, well, at that point, why do you have that much power? Hmm. Like, why do we give you all this power if you're just going to use it to make everybody miserable? <laughs> well, you know, and it's it's like, um, do you need five houses and a boat and a helicopter and all of that? Um, I don't. Mm. I I think I got a nice house here warm and it's cool and you know I wish I could do better right now about taking care of it mm -hmm. but um, this house has taken care of me and yet truth be known I spend 99% of my time between this room that bathroom and that kitchen Yes, ma'am. And then every once in a while, I go in to see my Christmas tree <laughs> with all the, you see that with all the bunny stuff on it? Well, I need flags on it now. Mm -hmm. And I have no flag. I have a flag that I got to put out. But, um, huh. But, it's not that I don't like all this house mm. and places for guests and washers and dryers so I don't have to send this stuff out. And little backyard, doesn't have to be huge, just a little backyard. Mm. I'm glad I got a car. I like my car, exactly. too. Um, so... Um, but I really spend most of the time 
Just in these two rooms. I think people think life needs to be a lot more than it is. Yeah. Not really. (laughs) I mean, you just walk around your rooms, take care of your stuff, tend to your garden, wash the fish, check in with the world, watch the news and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Eat some good food. Talk to some people you love. Like, it doesn't need to be a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I really, um, I really enjoyed, um, being, uh, um, I really enjoyed being, <laughs> um, being a therapist. Mm. You know, and I, I just got another one today. Um, somebody texted me, you know, said, said, um, George. Um, but this one guy that said he sees things on my um, uh, oh it was a gal this time and um, she had texted me about some stuff she was going to. And I texted her back and I said, you know, I'm not really in it now, but she says, Linda, I'm so sorry um, to hear that. I had a feeling something was wrong for some of your posts. I wanted to tell you that you made a big impact on my life and you truly helped me and that's nice because you just put it out there. You don't know this year, next year. And, um, so, but I get those from time to time, and uh, so, but but like Ram Dass says, you you stick it out there, and you don't get all hooked up with the results. Right. You know, because especially when I was working with the minor in possession, hell, they were just getting started. Yeah. You know, but one day one of them's gonna say, you know, there was this old lady in Castle Rock who said, you know, and maybe, you know, it doesn't matter if you help all of them. Maybe if you just made a difference to, it's like the the starfish yeah. made a difference to that one today, and then you just go on. Yeah, it's gotta be a hard one, cause like, you know you're not gonna have a 100% success rate. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are some people that are just... But it's like doctors too. Mm. You're gonna lose some. It mm. never gets any easier. <sighs> yeah, you know when it gets easier is when you let go of the results are having to make a difference. You just put it out there. 
I don't know if you can say that about a surgeon. <laughs> well, you <laughs> I'm know. I'm just going to put this one out there. <laughs> or you just, you know, you just put a table full of food out and you're not really attached to who gets to eat it or mm. anything like that. Mm. But, um, yeah, you get this close to throwing a seven to get off the last one. <laughs> well, I'm in it too, so hopefully I'm not that close to throwing a seven. <laughs> yeah, now, what do you make of it? You've seen a lot in a lifetime. You've seen the right to have an abortion for the first two trimesters come into effect and out of effect. You've seen yep. pot be criminalized and legalized. Mm -hmm. I had I had some opinion on it, not what people were looking for. I think it ought to remain legal. However, it's like Dad's idea of every abortion is they pull a child out at nine months, breathing and mm. fine, and throw it over there on a stack to die. Mm. No, that's not. On the other hand, one of the things when I worked at that hospital over there in Compton, I worked for Norm. Mm -hmm. I told you about him. And, and um, there were women over there that used abortion as birth control. That, I think, hey, you know, take the pill. Yeah. Don't just come in here, because there were several of them who were prostitutes, but they would come in and have their abortion, TAB, their TAB, on Thursday, therapeutic abortion. Anyway, um, but, no, if... You, you know, and now I just turned on the TV. They are buying that day after pill up like mad. Oh yeah. They're just running everybody out of it because making it illegal will not stop it. No. Oh. So. It'll just make it more dangerous. I never. I never had to have one. There was a time that I was pretty clear. If I got pregnant, I would have. Yeah. Hey, I could have had an older brother. Yeah. But die, you know, Carol. Who, didn't you say there was someone in the family who had like a lot of them? My mom. Yeah, how long? <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Was that before or after she had a bunch of kids? Cause I no, hear, that was before. Okay, because I hear like a lot of, like a good number of abortions are people who were like already have a family, but No, this was, this was um, uh, before, and they didn't have decent birth control at all. And uh, condoms were I iffy. And somewhere, maybe in my wedding book or something, somewhere, I have a letter that my grandfather, this would have been my father's father, 
wishing me, you know, happy wedding and all like that. But this is given to me on my wedding. And then it goes on to talk about children and that they are in fact wonderful, but they need to be prepared for and wanted. And so not every time you get together, you're trying to have kids. So he had, um, he had made a suppository. I don't know whether he got the recipe from somebody else, but I think it had baking soda and I don't know. But I've still got that somewhere, that letter. And you still have the suppository? The, no, the letter about with the recipe, how to make this stuff. Oh. And he and Grandma had used that as birth control. And it pretty much worked for them. Because they had just the two boys, uh, Herbert and was the older, and Robert was the younger, and then of course there's the story about Robert, but um, that's another story, but he gave me this recipe. It's a story about Robert. Yeah, my dad's brother. Mm. Well, um, my dad and his younger brother, what was Robert? Um, All I know was Dad was really um, adamant about us kids not playing with matches or anything like that. Really adamant. And um, um, as we grew older, then I heard the story, but then I heard a caveat to it when I was grown with children from my Auntie Ginger, my mother's sister. So what happened? Dad and Robert are outside and there's an anthill, like the one out there. And Dad's taking matches, wooden matches, and striking them and dropping them. As soon as they hit the dirt, they went out. He goes into the garage, Grandpa called it the barn, and it was either kerosene or gasoline. I keep thinking it was gasoline because I don't, anyway. Um, brought it out, poured it all over the anthill, struck a match, threw it, said, run, Robert. Dad ran. Robert didn't run fast enough. And he was burned very badly. Yikes. So, and he died. Oh! Now, that's what we heard, and we didn't hear that until we were much older. Just don't play with matches, you know. But we, did, we didn't hear more than that, the whole story about the ants, and we didn't hear that until we were older. But then, I was out at my Auntie Ginger's. She was living in Arizona, Sedona, wherever. And um, we were talking about religion. My grandmother was um, Christian science. Mm -hmm. And the Christian science really don't believe in doctors. Right. Um, they, uh, 
You know, if, if you're sick, you're out of line with God. Right. Get your thinking right, like that. And, um, and Grandma was very involved in that church. My grandpa went there too. But Grandma, and she was a reader, the one that stood up there and read and, and like that. And so, um, but she was very tight in that religion. And I'm talking to my aunt, and my aunt says, well, she had to be, considering what happened to Robert. Excuse me? Well, here comes the story again about Robert getting burned. Well, Grandma took him into the house, and he lived for a period of, like a couple weeks, and she'd have taken him to a doctor but he got all infected, and then he died. Yeah. Now she had to, you know, huddle close to her religion, mm. or, you know. And I love how that's okay, but abortion's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or you, get the, you get the FLDS, where it's okay to marry 15 gals to an old man and start him married at 10 or 12. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So if your grandmother was Christian science, then how did you end up getting raised Mormon? You know, my so my dad was raised in that. My mom's family as far as I know, they weren't anything particular. One of her sisters was joined the Catholic Church. Um, one of my mother's sisters, Peggy, that and but they weren't anything. And mom, um, mom was free to discover. And you know, in the one time when I was in rehab, um, they had the twelve steps on a big thing hanging up on the wall as they do in the meeting rooms and mom looked and she says I know this I know this how do you know it mom <laughs> and um, the AA took those steps from the Oxford group my mother was a member of the Oxford group in college and it wasn't particular to drinking or anything like that the alcohol wasn't in there it was just, um, you know, I, my life is unmanageable, and, um, and though these, there were these steps. So AA took that from the Oxford group. They put alcohol in the first and the last paragraph, but then they pull out alcohol, put in cocaine, pull out that, put in cigarettes, sex, whatever. <clears throat> you know, or food or, you know, and then you can, yeah, and then you can put in, um, so they had all the different groups come out of that, and, but it was the basic principles of these 12 steps, the Oxford group that my mother was a member of. So she, so after so she... So it's her fault. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> After she and Dad, um, they got married, and I think they had 
a couple of kids by then, and they were thinking, you know, we ought to, we ought to go to church on Sunday. We ought to, you know, and um, the missionaries came out to the house, and I think the way Mom talked about it, it was they seemed to have a really good family program, and at that time, even way back then. Um, you know, there were there were instructions given, but then there were some things that changed, and one of the things that changed was polygamy. Mm. That we don't need that anymore. It was sort of like they needed it for a period of time to boost the amount of people and the more get right. you know, and. So, uh, but they had a good, good family program, and uh, that's why they joined that. But they, they're what they call converts. They weren't born into the church. And then when the church, you know, really put down the, the hammer, no polygamy, no more, um, no polygamy. Um, then a whole bunch of them cut off, and they became LDS, Latter-day Saints, and they became FLDS, the, I don't know exactly what it stands for, but they were hanging with the old rules because they wanted, the old guys wanted. Yeah, I mean, once you get used to having eight wives, I imagine it's kind of hard. Because then you really have to play some calculus, right? It's like suddenly you find out you can't have eight wives. Which one of the eight <laughs> do you choose? But something I have my brother. My brother has the picture. Flo had it for a long time. Mm -hmm. But it was like when you used to graduate from high school or college, they'd take that picture that they did that with. And there was always one guy that jumped off the riser and ran around. He was on both ends, yeah. right? Well, there's a picture about this long, about that wide. And there in the middle stands the guy. And that guy was Flo's grandfather or great-grandfather. And here and there were his, and eight of them, I think, wives. And in front of each wife was all of her children. And right there, this little girl mm -hmm. was Flo's mama. So Flo came um, from a polygamous background. And... Uh, so there was um there was a reunion. My dad did not want to go. He says, I'll pay you. It's a three day thing. I'll pay you to drive Flo and her sister, two of her sisters, out to Utah and do the reunion thing. And there's a motel out there, and then you come back. 
cool. I'll take it. Give me the keys to your caddy. <laughs> so out I went. Well, we went to church on Sunday out there. And everybody that was or was related to a chamberlain, what was Florine Chamberlain, and my dad married her. Mm -hmm. But everybody who was or was related to a chamberlain, stand up. And I don't think it was me and four other people in this huge church that wasn't married to, or related to old man Chamberlain. But uh, That's insane. But there was a good story about Flo's sister walking. They, they were coming through the, what they call the Narrows in mm -hmm. um, Zion. And uh, Flo took us up where they used to do gym, you know, PE. They used to climb these beautiful red, red rocks. But the, one of the things I remember, you do a family um, what do they call it? Like, um, uh, you know, where they all get together. Reunion? Yeah, reunion. Let me tell you, Flo was a good cook. Well, when you bring all those people together, talk about food, they bring their big guns. They bring pickled this and peach cobblers and this, where they grew the peaches themselves and I think they grew the wheat. <laughs> but oh man did they bring out some great recipes oh I remember your pickled watermelon I don't know but oh it was wonderful that was that was some of the best eating I may ever have in my life and they sent me some recipes some of them I still have around hmm. but um that was a that was an interesting trip. But you should see that picture that Bob has on the mantle. And there should be a couple of copies of it made, I think. Uh, and then one of the things that Flo gave me, she had a cup. She was a member of the Daughters of the Pioneers. The ones that came across in the covered wagons, the Mormons that did. And she had a cup and a, I don't know if there's a saucer too, but she had this little cup. She gave it to me and asked me to photograph it, which I did. Took a piece of black velvet, put it up, and I was using film at that time. Took a whole roll, gave her back these pictures and the cup. And then somewhere, the cup disappeared, which really hurt her because that came across in a covered wagon. And uh, hmm. don't know what uh, whatever happened to it. All I know was I did photograph it and I did return it. And, but um, Daughters of the Pioneers. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was
It's interesting. Different lifestyle, different. And then my dad, you know, going to church on Sunday was a big deal, but also one of his busiest days at the restaurant was Sunday. So he wasn't going. And then my dad would tell me with a cup of coffee in his hand, you know, and a drink in the other hand, that I ought to be a good Mormon and stop smoking. <laughs> so, not the best role model in several areas, but, um, you know, he stuck around, he didn't bail. I wish Willie would have been more involved in the kids. But regardless, that was his walk. Look at the walk that I got. I have had personal relationships with all three of my grandsons. When when after Phil was born and Bob had to go on the ship and out. Di came to live with me and Phil was <laughs> and then when you when I had to go back to school and your dad and Karen said, Would you consider coming out here taking care of Kyle so we could go back to work and going to school at night and I jumped on it and out I came and <laughs> and I was your Grammy nanny and what a hoot it was with you. I could make you laugh and those people in those, you know, daycares, changing diapers, you know, baby's looking at your face, and I'm going, Grammy's going to make you fresh. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as you got, as soon as I got those knickers off and had to clean you up, hold both of your feet so I could clean up your little butt and then let go of you and you were, you were off. You were on your back, but you were running a 10 mile. <laughs> You're just little feet and I <laughs> just waiting till you slowed down, but you were just, feet were just going a million miles an hour. Just happy to have your little necks off. <laughs> I like that picture I had of you when I did move over to the apartment and you were sitting where the sun came in and once you got naked, it was everything he could do to get you back into some clothes. So you were sitting there naked and you had Bunny. Mm -hmm. 
still have that feature. I've been trying to take some envelopes and divide up some pictures. I like that one on the fridge. The one with the turkey. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was great. Crammy. <laughs> we didn't paste it. Oh no. <laughs> it looks like a miniature turkey. <laughs> the big ass turkey in the other room. Uh, dad being like, that's only enough for me. <laughs> it's like, no, dad, that's not fair. <laughs> Maybe smaller, but we all get to take part yeah, in the smaller we'll get bites of it. <laughs> uh, uh, wicked sense of humor. Wicked, wicked, wicked yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Austin, Austin was so afraid when we'd go through the car wash. All of that going on outside. So I put his you know, little head down here. I'd sing to him, sing the rainbow song, but he was afraid of the car washes. Yeah, for as brave as that kid is now, he was quite the scaredy cat. Huh. He'd always climb trees and be afraid to get down. Walk on that swinging rope and. Yeah. But you know, all in all, I've had some tough times. I've had, you know, like when Willie and I split up, that. Oh, God. That was just. Man, that about took me out. <sighs> I really thought that would take me out. But, but I live to tell about it. And, and, you know, the other thing about that time, Sometimes I wonder if we hadn't split up, what what would my life have been like then? Would I have made it to, you know, being a drug alcohol counselor? Would I, I probably would have not been able to be your Grammy nanny. And huh. but um but things happened the way they did and but I sure did love him. changing, you know. Glad I got the time that I had with him because he's humorous and helpful and 
great dad. I mean, it wasn't, I'm not going to change the diet. Boy, he was right in there. Right in there, hands on. That was great. He'd come in and fall down on the floor and the kids would just jump on him. Or he'd go out and fall down in the backyard and he'd pull out his pocket knife and he'd teach him how to play mumbly pig. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was a pretty good cook too. He would cook, he would, I mean there wasn't anything he wouldn't do. Because we were both working. And uh, he had the day job and we had one car. He had the day job and I was working in the bars at night and I'd be standing out on the street, come on, come on, come on, and here he'd come, leaving the engine on, giving me a kiss. I'd say, hello, day shift. He says, goodbye, night shift. And I wouldn't get home till two or three in the morning. And, um, so we hardly saw each other, but all oh, those days off. Oh, hee-haw. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was always worried about what I looked like and my weight. And he'd say, you know, I love you just the way you are. The thing I don't love is you beating yourself up all the time. That you know, you're beating up the person I love. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now I'm losing weight like a rocket. <laughs> you just can't throw <laughs> that dying. to the person, yeah. Yeah. And they tell don't lose weight. Food is your friend. I have been waiting all my life <laughs> to hear. <laughs> Food is your friend. Eat. And sometimes, you know, I'll finish that up yeah. tonight, but, um, you know. Yeah. I keep thinking about certain things to eat. I did get some corn, went through that like a bullet. Carol was betting I'd have you know, all six years gone before nine o'clock. But um, lately I've been thinking I'd like some crab. And a nice pot of melted butter. Gross. But do you? Hmm? I said gross, but do you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was watching him in that movie eating steak and lobster and um, sometimes I can manage to cook something, get something together but now the dishes are done. Mm-hmm. I'll pull them out and put them on the sink because to put them away you got to stand up, stand up. I just can't. And um, so cooking is one thing. And then I had that glass dish and 
I went to put it into the oven in a bain-marie, you know, in a water. You have another pan that's got water in it. Set this. Mm -hmm. I went to put it in the oven, and my wrist just gave out and the whole thing. The whole oven bottom. And then I think the drawer below mm. is full of it. got the bottom. Oh, we got the oven. I had Laura um, clean out the oven itself. Mm -hmm. But when I went to try to cook something the other day, I turned the oven on. I was cooking a potato. Turned it on and there was still a lot that was like, you could smell it was burning. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to salvage some of the bread pudding but by the time I tried to cook that, it was just nasty, so. And I like to cook, you know? Mm. And to not be able to do that, um, that's a bummer. Mm. And then, but in that drawer in the bottom, go, go peek in there and see. There's a couple of frying pans that don't belong in there. Well, if I go in there, you gotta vamp for the microphone. Got a what? You gotta vamp for the microphone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, you gotta hey. keep the story going. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I, when I worked in Maine, um, that was... There were a lot of old people on the cruise ships. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why so many of them wanted to confide in the guy who was scooping their ice cream. <laughs> I'll have a scoop of blueberry. You know, it's the funniest thing, Sonny. You remind me of my nephew. And But the thing they, most of them had in common was there was always something that they used to love doing they couldn't do anymore. Yeah. Honestly, I'm kind of getting that way with drugs. Like, I love drugs. Drugs rock. I've had a lot of fun on drugs. The times that have kind of sucked on drugs. Um, definitely when I did too many of them. Uh, but, by and large, drugs, I think, have been sort of a positive force in my life. And now I'm at the point where my tolerance for all of them is decreasing. I just cannot handle it like I used to. Um, I used to be able to slam Red Bull Vodkas all night. And slam what? Red Bull Vodkas all night. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. I did that at the wedding and I couldn't go to sleep the next day. <laughs> and, or that night and... Most of the next day. And then three days later, I had just the worst caffeine headache what I ever did have. Um, 
alcohol, I can have maybe four or five drinks. And even then, I'm just, I'll get like hungover off two drinks. And then nicotine, I'm building an intolerance to. So I've kind of got to quit that just for health reasons. And I'm kind of bummed about it. <laughs> I like doing drugs. Doing drugs is fun. But it's now what you got to take its place. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I remember going to this to this place down on Broadway. Um, they had some music in there. Well, they were going to have a band that was a twelve-step band, but they were good, you know. But here are these guys that used to play Stone Ripped to the Tits, you know. Um, you could see on the edge by their microphone all these Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. And I only had a Red Bull a couple of times, and once was over at the Stampede, and it, A, it didn't keep me away, and it messed up my stomach. And not good. Yeah. It's weird the way you look right now with your hair sort of out like that. I have this picture of um of uh oh, I love I love their music. Um done. Okay, what is their, what's their names? Um, Brooks and Dunn? Huh? Brooks and Dunn? Brooks and there you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, um, uh, but he has, you know, hair that was looking just like yours. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, I, Red Bulls did not work for me. And um, just upset my stomach, didn't keep me awake. I was still tired. And then somebody said, well, try this. And it was supposed to be a Red Bull, but it was like a different flavor. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. It didn't work either. And um, I came across that picture, you know, on your phone. Oh, that's one thing I need you to do. On your phone where it, it uh, says memory X amount of years back. Mm-hmm. Well, this was you and dad and your mom dancing at Brianna's wedding <laughs> reception. And you were doing to the left, to the left, to the left, and now walk it by yourself. And you are so cool. <laughs> yeah, you were so cool. Yeah. Then I got a picture also of Austin that night and he was dancing in between Brianna and her girlfriend, her maid of honor. He was in between them. I didn't know you could dance that well. The other time I really saw you dance was at your mother's wedding. To Blaine, mm-hmm. you and Austin, the two of you took off on the dance floor, and I went, jeez, man. 
man, you guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have fun. Do you like to dance? I love to dance. Mm. I always say that my biggest regret in life is uh, letting people talk me into football. Because everyone's like, oh, you got the body for football. And now I have broken shoulders. So, great, I don't want to that one, everybody. No, I could have been a ballerina. <laughs> I got the body that was made for lifting people up over my head. But now I can't because my shoulders will dislocate. So, but, you know, I, I do love dancing. One of the most inspiring quotes uh, I've ever heard was from a dancer where they were had some disease that was slowly deteriorating their muscles so they had to be on crutches and they did a music video where they're just dancing around and people are like so it doesn't it hurt to dance and stuff and he goes it's strange because dancing is the only time I don't hurt like if I stop for too long and then try and dance again it hurts for a long time until I get back into the groove of it the more I just keep dancing the less pain I'm in and that was pretty inspiring and then um, this other time there was an old lady who was a championship dancer until she broke her back and uh workplace accident where one of the work vehicles crushed her spine and I watched her watch so you think you could dance and when the people were good her eyes would light up like in a way that I've never seen and just seeing her just be so excited I mean there's a certain power about it I love it mm -hmm. static dance parties I mean you gotta find the right kind of people doing the right kind of dance. I'm not necessarily down with square dancing. And I don't know, I've never learned enough ballroom or swing to know how to do it, but just moving the body to some music is a lot of fun. And on that note, uh, I think we should probably at the very least calling into this episode of Chats with Grammy. <laughs> uh, I, I can remember though, just closing out with the dance. Um, my dad was a very good dancer. My mom was too, but the thing that bothered her, she told me one time, was he's always up there in the band. And She's down there, went to dance with him. And then he taught us all how to dance. and um, To the point where, to the point where we're in line, waiting our turn to dance with Dad. Mm -hmm. Especially doing the New Yorker swing. And out here, the West Coast, I don't know, anyway. Um, but we got good at it, too. Kathy and Carolyn, mm -hmm. we are good at it, and love to dance. So that the degree in which I love to dance was when Dad asked me 
I was 14, maybe, 14. There's a long story behind this, but I'll make it short. Um, asked me what I wanted for my birthday. I wanted to go dancing with my dad, no sisters. That's what I, that's the present that I wanted. He said, okay. So he took me first out to this ballroom that was out on the Santa Monica Pier, but they were having an extra thing or filming of Lawrence Welk out there. And so there was no dancing. Um, and uh, so my dad turned around and took me downtown, uh, took me out there to Hollywood and to the um, Palladium. And we went in there and there was a big band playing and my dad knew, and I wish I could think of, it'll come, but my dad knew the band leader, Herb, he says, to my dad. And so I got to dance with that and I mean, we cleared a circle of people watching us dance. And I had danced with my dad, so when he put his hand back here, I knew right where it was. And just, oh man, could we do the swing. And I loved to dance with my dad. And then um, Willie and I, you know, I danced school dances, and then when I met Willie, um, he wasn't a great swing dancer, but we would dance slow in the kitchen. There's something mm -hmm. about dancing in the kitchen. And uh, same with Charlie, Lucky Chuck. We would dance and, and um, but there was a time when there was a wedding, and this was many years later, and I went, uh, we went to the reception. And um, it was some family member, and we went to the reception, and I went up to Dad, and he said, no, and I says, come on, Mac. And it never, and it never occurred to me that he couldn't, he couldn't anymore. We got up, and I pulled him up out of his chair, and we got up, and we danced maybe for all of a minute and a half. And he says, worn out, gotta sit down. It's the last time I danced with him. And then for a long time I didn't dance. Um, you know, I really didn't dance. I can't, I probably did here and there, but um, you know, after Willie and I split up, I'd go to the bars when I was lonely or whatever. And, but it was always just slow dancing. And then, uh, then the disco period came in and went out, and and then, then out here, when your dad started dancing, and he, you know. Because your dad did not dislike, he hated underlying Western music. Mm -hmm. But next thing you know... Once it starts getting you laid, changes your mind about that kind of music. <laughs> That's it. And he says, if I knew then what I know now, yeah. that a guy that can dance well can have anybody in the room, 
And then he came over here and he said, you know, you ought to come dancing. You like to dance. And, yeah, well, because your dad had started drinking again. Mm -hmm. You know, well, it was just beer, but still. And I said, no, that's where you play, because I didn't think, it's not that I'm going to drink, I just couldn't handle watching him drinking, because I kept thinking that's going to lead to other things. And, um, but he says, no, I says, ah, son, that's where you play. And he just told me that I was right here. He says, mom, get off the couch. And he took me over there and I started dancing and learning line dances. And and um, I had to build up some strength. I hadn't used any of those muscles for a long time. I could still swing because that's in you. And I uh, met just a bunch of good people. There were people that got drunk, but a lot of them left by 9.30, 10 o'clock, you know. And, you know, the Georges and the Ellies and the, um, you know. And then there was one Dave, he married Chrisanna and I got to go to their wedding at the Stampede and, and they would, um, uh, when Dave would dance with me, he would sing the song, you know. And he knew I could only go around once or one and a half mm -hmm. and then but I built up, I built up some strength, and then, you know, and I and I did. I continued dancing, and then I was diagnosed in 17, 2017, and then they said, you know, a couple years, five on the outside. Well, I've done five, and but I look at pictures of your dad and I dancing, or other people, old Jack, who had died a while back, he and I dancing, and uh, I miss dancing. I miss dancing, but I made I made some good friends, you know, Ellie be one of them. And uh, she's here to call me today. She is in and out of here. Friday's her day, she brings lunch and we chat, she helps me out. Your mom's right. I heard your mom talking to the social worker and saying that Linda perks up and does better when there's somebody there to talk to. True that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for today, for dinner, and, uh, yeah. Mm, it's been too long. Yes, it has been. It definitely has been. Mm. Yep. Uh, I would ask just one thing of you to, to take my recycling out. Un, there's one bag and then there's under the sink. Mm. And I, because I really want to, when the, when we put them out this Thursday, got to get the recycling back into, gee, many Christmas, that one lake, lake, 
No, like me. The one that's backed up by the, by a, um, Boulder Dam. Mm -hmm. It has dropped so far. And they see all those boats and barrels with bodies. <laughs> Jeez. And, and so what's going to happen when it drops down to the point where it can't run the electricity Murder. through the dam? And A whole lot of murder. Jeez. Or, you know, maybe people will figure their stuff out. Or, uh, it, or it might rain. Or it might rain. You just don't know. Either way, people should probably plant some trees. <sighs> but, <laughs> I don't know. Say goodbye to the crowd. Oh, goodbye to part one. <laughs> All right. Bye, part one. Bye, part one. <laughs> <laughs>